0: Streaming analytics refers to the process of analyzing real-time data that is generated continuously and rapidly from various sources such as sensors, applications, social media, and other internet-connected devices. Streaming analytics platforms enable organizations to extract business value from data in motion, similar to how traditional analytics tools derive insights from data at rest. Deltastream is a unified serverless stream processing platform to manage, secure, process all your event streams and is based on Apache Flink. Hujat Jaffapur is the founder and CEO at Deltastream and he joins us today. Before joining Deltastream, Hujat was at Confluent, the company behind Apache Kafka. He built a product called KSQL DB. KSQL DB is a database built to do stream processing
1: on top of Apache Kafka. This episode is hosted by Jocelyn Bernhul. Jocelyn is focused on data, ML, and enterprise software. She has experience as a founder, investor, and product leader, and has worked with both startups and large financial service companies. Jocelyn is currently a Senior Director of Product Management for Security, a unified data controls company. Follow Jocelyn on LinkedIn or on Twitter, at Jocelyn Byrne. Hi, Ho-Jet. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Jocelyn. Thanks for having me in Self-Engine Daily.
1: It's great to see you. We've had a few conversations in the past, and I'm super excited to have you on the show and continue the conversation around streaming analytics. Um, what I'd love to start with, though, for anyone who doesn't know you, uh, maybe you could just give us an introduction and tell us what you're working on at DeltaStream.
0: Sure, uh, my name is Hojja Jafar I'm the founder and CEO at DeltaStream. Before that, uh, I have been in Confluent, uh, the company behind Apache Kafka. And over there, I built a product called KSQL DB, or uh, previously called KSQL. And the idea was to have a SQL layer on top of Kafka to be able to do stream processing uh, in familiar language like SQL. And before that also I have been in a bunch of companies and. Uh, Earlier I got a PhD in data management and uh computer science, of course.
1: Under under Achiever. Um listen, it's um what I'd love to do is spend some time just talking about the problem statement because I've got a lot of inbound where people are talking about the needs of stream processing. Mm-hmm. How are you seeing, you know, the problem statement around stream processing?
0: Uh I think it would be good to kind of like Give a little bit of history of it and uh, of course stream processing has been around for a while uh, in early 2000s there were uh, some work uh, both in the academia and industry on stream processing but fast forward to uh, big data era Hadoop and spark and these kind of services uh, the volume of it growth, and some systems came to uh, existence including Apache Kafka that uh, I would uh mainly categorize the way that, uh, or the uh, features that they provide, uh, or two main features I would say, such services provide. First and foremost, they decouple producers of information from the consumers of information. And the second is that they make the data available in extremely low latency in milliseconds order. So these two characteristics significantly revolutionize the way that you would use data in some use cases or applications. So by emergence of systems like Kafka, it enables users and uh, organizations to get the value from data much faster and make it available for other applications uh, much faster, of course, and make decisions much faster, which would directly results in much better uh, actions that they can take based on those decisions. So moving back forward, you can think about Kafka that providing Kafka and similar systems to Kafka. Kafka is the most, uh, uh, common use it used system but you also have systems like uh kinesis from aws pulsar red panda and other offerings too but as i mentioned earlier kafka is the de facto uh stream uh, streaming storage we call it uh system so uh as a foundation it provides the place that you can move data from point a to point b decouple the producers and consumers and provide data with low latency now that you have this foundation People thought about like, oh, we can do more with this type of environment instead of just moving data. What if we also could actually process data as data comes and get those uh, results and make decisions immediately instead of sending this to another service and wait until, for instance, some time goes and then make the decision. So mainly I would say that systems like Kafka and other similar services build the foundation that now that you have those type of you can think about them as a streaming storage services now you can build processing services on top of that and process the data in real time as data arrives to your system so that opens the door for a lot of interesting use cases that previously it would not be possible as easy as it would with systems like kafka
1: I want to talk a little bit about the use cases, and then I want to talk about barriers to realizing those use cases, because I think um, it gets exciting pretty quickly when you start talking about a few of them. Um, One I've heard you talk about is credit card processing.
0: Mm -hmm. So a lot of these use cases, I would uh, categorize them as uh, operational use cases uh, for stream processing. By operational, I mean that uh, you'd make decisions in real-time and take action in real-time. And latency is very important in these kind of use cases. Unlike analytical use cases that you usually process the historical data or the data that happened, for instance, or accumulation of those credit card transactions, for instance, uh, you mentioned in the last five years and getting patterns based on those and planning for future uh, actions. In the stream processing case, you're processing data as data comes and you're making those decisions that are literally affecting the operational aspects of the uh, organizations or application that you're providing. Case in point, for instance, in analytical uh, systems, you can store data in a data warehouse or data lake. And this is historical data. You do a lot of processing on it to kind of understand patterns. for instance, plan, for instance, if you're a retail uh, uh, organization, you can plan, for instance, which store have been seeing growth and plan for the next quarter, next year, and those kind of stuff. On the other hand, let's go back to your example of a transaction processing. Uh, there are things like anomaly detection, fraud detection. These kind of things, you need to detect those in millisecond order. You cannot store them and process them as a historical data, even though historical data can be like 10 minutes ago's data. And it goes data it's still it is too late for this kind of application so,
1: right exactly down.
0: so right down. exactly so for these type of things in it's like a, a daily operations of your organization or system that you need to process data and take action immediately for these data so that's the reason i'm saying that for stream processing a lot of use cases are use cases that depends on operational aspects of your uh use case or organization. And that makes it much more uh, interesting in a sense that requirements are more uh, strict and also impact also is uh, very high. Imagine for instance, uh, not being able to detect those anomalies in the credit card transactions, it can have real effect on like uh, fraudulent transactions that you may not be able to catch and has a real financial impact on organization.
1: The fraud example is always a great one to help uh, focus everybody because it's. Uh, but I think the other thing that a lot of folks are seeing, uh, particularly, I think, in the fintech world, but I'm sure it's everywhere else too um, um, uh, medical, all kinds of areas um, consumers and users have a very high expectation uh, that uh, just for, compared to even 10 years ago, people expect to pay their bill and see the results in their app. Into like very very quickly, uh, uh, and so I I do think the expectation is higher um, for just your, um like your basic grub stakes product functioning is getting even more real
0: time. Exactly, and I want to emphasize on the point that you mentioned that even though examples in fintech seems very interesting and easy to understand, but these type of use cases you can see in literally every type of every, every place that you have data and you need to take action for those uh, events that happen in your service, Uh, you can see the value of stream processing and taking action uh, in real time instead of processing them later. Uh, When I was at Confluent, uh, we could see that Kafka usage literally spanned everyone who had data started using Kafka. And that was actually a very interesting experience for me to see kind of uh early days just big companies uh ubers and Netflixes of the world were using these type of services like systems like kafka but fast forward five six years and now literally anyone who has uh data coming from different uh parts of their uh, organizations or applications they're using kafka let me give you a couple of examples on this uh, for instance imagine iot has been a, a very growing section in uh data processing from the smart cars, from the sensors in the cars to go to smart homes or anything that, any way that you have sensors, you know, ag- agricultural uh, yeah. parts that people now now have robots and, uh, any place that you have these type of sensors, you have data being generated and this data needs to be processed and not just processed, but processed in real time because you have to make uh, decisions based on that uh, data that's coming and take action case and point for instance imagine uh you have uh robots in the field a bunch of these robots in the field are uh planting uh any of crops that you may uh, consider and yeah if there's a little bit uh diversion you need to correct that as soon as possible otherwise it can easily make a lot of bad impact for assessing in the uh results that you're gonna see so these things you don't have the luxury of like storing data and processing them the day after. So you need to have immediate processing and taking action. So as I said, in IoT case, all of these sensors data is being ingested, need to be processed in larger scale and actions need to be taken based on the result of those processing. If you go to retail or if you go to e-commerce, your users are uh, interacting with your website and they're taking actions, adding, uh, items to their uh, a basket and all of those things you need if you want to make any decision based on the actions that user taking those decisions need to be taken in seconds at most you cannot make those decisions in 10 minutes or an hour by the time that you do those type of decisions the user is gone and you cannot for instance offer another product make a recommendation or if they have a problem be able to fix those type of problem if they're, uh, for instance, if you're out of stock in one case, you cannot have it shown to user and an hour later update the inventory and those kind of things. In any of these use cases that you have data and your users are interacting with this data and you have to take action, uh, you can see the latency is very important and stream processing uh, is one of the key components of these systems.
1: I have a million questions, but I want to start with just more of a high-level one, which we can also look at later if you want. But, um, you know, yes, everybody wants streaming. I feel like so many organizations that I have engaged with, small and large, are dedicating themselves all in on streaming as future state. But so many aren't quite there yet. What would you say is the maturity level of streaming inside large organizations. Is its is everyone going to be streaming? Is it going to be a hybrid environment for data? What do you think is really going to happen?
0: Th- that's actually, I have uh, heard a lot about like sh- everything should be streaming or not. And my opinion is that no, each of these processing models, Imagine versus batch and streaming, each of them have their own place. And you can't say that streaming is going to solve everything or we don't need streaming at all. Uh, case in point, uh, let me give you an example that I, we just discussed. Like you have historical data, you have data warehouses. So the m- model of processing that data is very different than the architecture or model that you use for processing streaming data. For instance, if you have data, petabytes of data from uh, operational uh, aspects or different aspects of your business, and you want to process them. You need to have indices on them. You need to store them in a different way. For instance, there are columnar storage formats and those kind of things that in a streaming world, you don't even have those type of conversations. You process data in a different way. So I would say that there are different use cases and you have different systems that are built for those type of use cases. And for each of them, you have to use the correct uh, or the right uh, tools that you have. But uh, as you said, it's gonna be like more and more demand because previously it wasn't pretty much every time everything was being done in batch and you barely would see kind of like a streaming as the way that we see these days but now that the streaming becomes more and more available and people see the value of it they're going to keep using and using and the usage is going to be more and more new use cases are going to come to play and you're going to see much more than things that we are seeing now but it doesn't mean that uh, other forms of processing like uh, things that we do for analytical systems like data warehouses or uh, lake house a very interesting word these days those three services are going to be there because the purpose of those are very different than the purpose of for instance stream processing and each of them are going to be responsible for part of the uh, processing that you have to get the value from data and being able to make that value uh work for your organization
1: I like that i'm trying to collect use cases where um there are application data applications being built that combine batch and streaming for some outcome you don't have to answer right now but i'm just collecting a
0: little one common thing that you may see yeah one (laughs) common thing that you may see is uh for machine learning services uh algorithms you have uh, a lot of training is being done offline and that is the batch processing part because you're processing huge volumes of data and these data usually are historical data. It's not like happening now, but you're processing petabytes of data that you gather during years versus in your organization. But to use that, now that you use that game up with models, uh, you can run these in real time using stream processing platforms. And also you can actually retrain them in real time too. So that would be a good example of like batch and streaming hand in hand great
1: good one i like that um so you know yes to streaming it seems like a ton of benefits um you know as soon as people get their minds around asking asking questions of streaming data is a little different from asking questions of batch data but we're getting there people are seeing the um benefit it does seem like you're at the intersection though of some interesting other technical underpinnings like a microservices event processing architecture low latency isn't Easy, it's got its own problems. Um, so who, like, what are some of the barriers that people are seeing to uh streaming and then analyzing these streams? Why, why aren't we all just doing this right now?
0: Yeah, I think one of the biggest barriers is complexity. Streaming, first and foremost, compared to batch model, is in the model for quite a few of the folks, and uh, that kind of is kind of like uh, things that uh. It's kind of a barrier for people to not feel comfortable in the beginning when they start the journey to kind of understand streaming concepts. And of course, this is different from Batch. There's a lot of uh, interesting concepts that you deal with in, in a streaming uh, environment, but in Batch, you don't Where deal do with people, them.
1: Or... People get tripped up when they move to the streaming world out of curiosity. from uh, our... Where do people get tripped up?
0: When so they... a lot of concepts, let me tell you uh, uh, as an example. Imagine streaming data. You have to deal with the late arriving data, data coming out of order. And you have to think about these, for instance, what do I want to do, for instance, if I have the data coming out of order or comes late and those kind of stuff. In the batch, you don't think about this thing. Your data is a static. You have a table and database, for instance. And you know that, for instance, if I run a query, you have a deterministic result. In a streaming world, you have a query, you run this uh, query on top of a stream for a certain amount of time, but you need to also think about like, what would be the effect of late arriving data? And different systems have different, like different stream processing systems have different ways of handling these kind of concepts. But if you're using stream processing, you need to think about these things. You don't have to like, uh, a lot of systems kind of like make it much easier these days. But again, in the beginning, handling these things was uh, up to user and added complexity like scare people from the stream processing a little bit.
1: So um, there's not a, there's probably not enough people who know how, if how to navigate right.
0: So yeah, as I said, a lot of especially in the beginning, systems were complex. A lot of things had to be done by users, and that kind of like results in you would have much smaller pool of people that dedicate time and uh, work on these type of services and get expertise on those. That would be another factor that. Uh, made it more difficult for people to adopt streaming. That's actually one of the uh, goals that we started Delta Stream to make say, it just, easier. I
1: directly, I was just checking my notes. I just fell directly into your sales pitch by accident uh, because I have heard you say it. You know, your offering brings the comforts the comforts of the data warehouse that you're used to into the streaming paradigm. Um, I've heard you talk a little bit about that before, but tell me your thought process on you know what do people need to feel more comfortable and abstract away this complexity?
0: I think I can give a little bit of history on that first. And then uh, that would be a good introduction on like why we started Delta stream. So as I mentioned, uh, when I was at Confluent, uh, this is like 2016, 17, we started the KSQL project and you didn't have that many options for stream processing. Kafka itself was as a storage layer for a streaming world, just being uh, gradually being adopted more and more. And stream processing kind of like come on top of these type of services like Kafka. And at that time, the options that people had was uh, systems like Apache Flink, Spark Streaming, uh, Kafka Streams, of course, and a few other services. And for these, again, you need to have engineers to understand these stream- mm-hmm. systems, stream processing, be able to write uh, Java code or uh, other languages that these uh, platforms support. And most importantly, once you write those streaming jobs, you have to maintain them because streaming jobs are running forever in theory. So you need to be able to recover from failures, scale up, scale down. a lot of complexity comes with it. So that was the reason that in the beginning, uh, most of the streaming uh, users would be companies that could afford it because they could have teams of engineers being able to build these things and also maintain these things. And that was one of the main goals of kcql at that time that we wanted to make it let's we said that let's have it much simpler and not have to know for instance java and understand programming models and those kind of stuff people are familiar with cql as a first step let's have an environment that they can run cql queries on top of streams and that was the basic premises of the kcql so we built kcql at confluent but it was an on-prem service And still, as a user, you had to deal with, like, uh, bringing up the cluster, maintaining that cluster. It made one part of the uh, problem much simpler, meaning that you don't have to write Java or Scala and those kinds of things. You could do much easier with SQL, but still you are on the hook for running your clusters, provisioning resources for those things, and so forth. And that was another big problem uh, for, adoption, meaning that again, you still need expertise. And some offerings, some managed offerings were available later, but I usually compare the managed offerings to uh, any other service. Think about a service like storage. Uh, In the early days, people were using HDFS on-prem as a storage uh, service for their data processing. And of course they had to manage these HDFS clusters, they had to deal with disk failures, provision, disk space, and all of those things. Now, imagine you want to uh, provide the same service in the cloud. Uh, One option would be take the on-prem service that you have, like HDFS, and run it on cloud as a managed service, right? Still, any user who wants to use the service, they have to deal with like provisioning resources, thinking about how big of a cluster do I need, and thinking about do I need to add more resources, and all of those things. The other option would be building something from scratch only for cloud because you know that it is a a cloud-only service. I would build something only for cloud and as someone who's managing it, I understand all of the details of the managing the service, but for user, I make it much easier to use and I would call it S3. (laughs) So as you see, as a storage service, S3 has been a very successful uh, service. Why? Because it takes away all of the complexities of underlying service and for users the only thing is important is that i'm storing data and retrieving this data everything else of fault tolerance scaling and all of those things is handled by stream so what we wanted to build in the little stream and we actually have it now is you could we call it s3 of stream processing, meaning that similar to the way that this stream makes it very simple and scalable and fault tolerance as cloud service to store data Delta Stream is making it simple, scalable, fault tolerance for stream processing, meaning that you don't need to think about clusters, servers, and all of those things. We handle everything from your point of view as a user. You're just writing queries and building streaming applications, pipelines, materialized views, uh, and we take care of all of the complex the processing, fault tolerance, and isolation, scaling up, scale them, and all of those things.
1: And you're also going to organize uh, my data, right, into a sort of traditional database schema.
0: That is actually a big differentiator that we are bringing to the table. If you look at the existing mm-hmm. solutions, uh, including KSQL, <laughs> I started at comp plan, the main focus has been on processing, meaning that, hey, uh, I have queries and I compile them to streaming jobs and do stream processing. But if you look at the batch world, uh, the experience that we have had in batch worlds, query processing has been a very important part of data management services. But there's also other things like organizing your data, for instance, build databases and organize your tables in those databases. Why not do the same thing in stream processing, meaning building streams and uh, other types of streaming data and organize them in databases, for instance, one database for your logs one database for let's say uh, iot data from specific area and those kind of things and once you have this type of architecture like at uh, this type of organization of your data you can actually also bring in the same role-based access control that you had in normal databases to the streaming vault meaning that you would be familiar in postgres or snowflake that you can the clear database, the clear table, and grant read privilege for a specific table for a specific role, very granular access control. Why not bring that to the streaming world in the same way that you're familiar in the batch world, instead of reinventing the world and people have to go and learn new things. So I think these two extra things that we have really differentiate us with the existing solutions that you have in the market, that not only we do stream processing, we do serverless stream processing, as I mentioned earlier, meaning that we don't have any notion of cluster provisioning. We just connect to our service, and you will be able to just issue queries and be yeah, taken care of all of those. Stuff.
1: An easy way to tr- like port over my access controls, um, and you also kind of provide this materialized view, right? Yes,
0: output. we do have materialized view as a feature too.
1: Um, I I'm always sh- concerned about asking founders this. Really, there's like, who else is, what would be my alternatives? I find it shocking that this is not already available. There are other alternatives. What are kind of the, I guess the nicest way to say this is help me think about this space.
0: Yeah, as you said, there are alternatives. And one of those alternatives, as I mentioned, is Casey Kale from Coughlin. And uh, that's one alternative that you can uh, consider. There are other companies, like uh, a company that its name literally is Materialized, <laughs> that uh, you can build real-time Materialized okay. views there. Yeah, and uh, but the way that I see our product compared to the existing solutions that you see uh, in our conversation with our prospects and customers, uh, they usually say that it seems that uh, Delta Stream is a super set of these systems, meaning that, uh, for instance, as case and point, Materialized View ksql has uh, a feature like that materialize as i said that's their main feature uh, it's also a feature in our service but we are doing much more than materialized view like you can build pipelines with our service we can we can read from one Kafka cluster process join with another uh, topic in another Kafka cluster write the results to kinesis for instance so we also abstract the uh storage layer for you so you can have a lot of different storage uh, layers like uh, Kinesis, Kafka, Kafka number one, Kafka number two, and we abstract that. And of course, as I mentioned, uh, no solutions right now have that organization of data and role-based access control that we provide. At least I'm not aware of any of them that providing role-based access control the same way that, for instance, you would have it in normal databases.
1: Yeah, and that's such a big uh, topic of concern right now among data leaders of you know how to extend, withdraw,
0: change. Uh... Exactly. Actually, let me give you a un- very interesting use case. Yeah, let me give you a very interesting use case that we have. Uh, and this is from the role-based access control that uh, we mentioned. As I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of existing services focused on stream processing only, and kind of like create silos, meaning that, for instance, uh, the minute that you have permissions and security on your data, Uh, It's difficult to kind of, how we would like to share these uh, data with different teams, right? But we have this uh, example use case that people are very much like it. And it's very common that imagine you have a production Kafka cluster. And you have a topic there that one of the teams wants to build a new project based on this. But you don't want to give the access to the real Kafka Kafka data or the new production data. Uh, you want to do uh, masking of PII or dropping your PII, kind of like do some transformation, filtering data. You don't want to give all of the data, maybe some port, uh, portion of the data. You can easily uh, build a new stream on top of a new Kafka cluster with a couple of statements in our service and read from the source Kafka topic that you have in production. Do all of those transformation that you want, mask the PII data, drop some of them, filter and all of those things. Right to this new Kafka cluster that uh, they're going to use and just give access to this new Kafka cluster to team. Now they have access to exact data that you want to share with them. So, this sharing use case is very much uh, very common uh, in our service. So, now they have access to this new data that you have in this new Kafka without even knowing that where this comes from or if there's any Kafka cluster in production where they just see this uh, data that you shared with them. They can take it and use it in their project and build based on that, and once it is ready, they can uh, deploy it uh, in the production. But the okay. capability of sharing real-time data and breaking that boundaries, that's a big, uh, I would say, differentiating factor that we have right now.
1: I like that. I think where you're at is a place that's, um, if you're really doing this, it's super useful for large organizations. A lot of my experience is working with like really large organizations that, um, they need a way to make things easier, but it can't be a toy, right? Got to have really like the high, like like low latency. It's got to be something that I can give out to all of my implementers as a deployable package that fits into our bag. So, um, so I really like that positioning of you don't have to be um, leave people scratching their heads to get the great functionality. But you don't have to leave being well managed or being um, exactly. fast behind yeah.
0: either so th- I and the that- good part is and the good part is sorry uh, the good part is that these are based on this familiar model. It's not a new thing that you have to learn. If you're using Postgres, if you're using snowflake or similar services relational services, you should feel at home like with our role-based access control with our structuring of data and those kind of things.
1: We talked a little bit about some customer feedback that you've gotten i want to talk a little bit more about implementation um so and a little bit about pricing right so you're taking care of everything for me it's a harder problem right because you know, streaming data can be have different characteristics um how uh, and of course you may not have all this information yet but how are you thinking about the model of pricing
0: uh Pretty much all of the cloud services are going based after consumption-based pricing. We are also doing something similar. Uh, we want to keep, keep it as simple as possible. So this, as you said, it may change. We are in the beginning of the road. Uh, the pricing that we are looking right now is based on queries that you have. And you can have different types of queries. You can have stateful queries, or you can have stateless queries, or you can have materialized view queries. And based on those categories of queries, uh, depending on the amount of resources that we use, we will be able to, this is going to be based on the queries plus the data that's being processed. For instance, if you're processing a gigabyte of data per second, it's going to be different than if you're processing one kilobyte of data per second. So that's going to have an effect, but overall, it would be very easy to kind of, like I say, I have five queries, all of them, let's say stateless queries, and I'm going to expect to pay this much plus the volume of data is going to have it uh, percentage of the
1: cost. Interesting. Well, I wanted to also ask a little bit about what your guess is to the fastest path to getting some quick value out of implementing. You, I know you haven't. You maybe ha- you're early stages right now, so you may not have an answer to that. But what would your recommendation be? Like, oh, you know, if I wanted to adopt Delta Streams, what's what's the good starting place for me?
0: Uh, so, our main uh, persona that we uh, talk to usually is. If you're using Kafka or Kinesis, you would be interested in uh, checking out Delta Stream, and we just sit on top of those kind of services, and as I mentioned, you can have multiple of those Kafka storages, and one team may have one Kafka cluster, another team may have another Kafka cluster, but we abstract those things, and now we give you a tool that in a, with a relational model, you will be able to process these topics that you have in Kafka or streams that you have in Kinesis in a logical model that you are familiar in normal relational databases so if you have kafka i would say or if you are uh, using kinesis you would easily see the value that uh built stream can bring to you
1: if You're a producer consumer and,
0: and... exactly so delta Team is going to be producer, producer consumer I, I, yeah sh- this team is going to be producer consumer for your kafka so we need kafka we are not managing kafka ourselves or we're not managing get uh, kinesis ourselves as a customer imagine you have kafka already in your organization it can be msk confluent cloud uh, self-managed kafka or mm-hmm. uh, other offerings like red Panda or kinesis and we, you will be able to bring delta stream and kind of like have access to these kafka clusters and the minute that you have those uh, kafka stores declared in delta stream you will be able to declare streams on top of the topics and start quoting those, building pipelines, building materialized views, and making them available for third parties, services, and all of those things. Plus, also have role-based access control. Declare who which role can access to which of these streams that you declared, and so forth.
1: Okay. Um, I haven't checked in with you. Where where is Delta Stream and its journey at the moment?
0: Well, we are the seed series company. As uh, you know, we raised the $10 million seed from NEA and uh, we have a great team of engineers along with we just started our field team too. Uh, the product is uh, has been in, in private beta uh, for a few months and we are working towards the game as soon as possible.
1: Okay. So I'm very, very grateful for you taking some time away. I know how busy it is to try and get up to GA uh, and uh, manage design partners. Um, sure. So, um, what I wanted to do is just ask you a little bit. You know, I know you have a technical background. Just sort of switching gears. There's uh, people listening to the show who uh, are technical audience members who might be thinking about doing a startup or might be thinking about uh, like you. You know, they're sitting at a great organization and they've got some insight into a problem. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, particularly for technical founders, what are some things you've learned that you'd like to share with those who might be sitting sitting back, wondering if they should take the leap?
0: I think that's actually a very good question. And I think in my case, uh, being technical uh, is great, but it has limitations. And by limitations, I mean, you usually see one part of the business or organization you're very much into engineering or product and you don't see beyond that that much. You don't have visibility that much. Smaller companies, of course, it's much easier to see what's going on in broader company. As the companies grow, it's gonna be much more difficult to kind of like keep check of what's going on in other parts of the company, how the product is being sold, what's the, uh, what com- the customer is thinking about the product and all of those things. I was very lucky that last year of my time at Compliment. I moved from engineering to more customer-facing role and had the chance to talk to uh, many customers and prospects at Gumflant, And I also expand my network with uh, field people, salespeople, sales engineers, uh, customer success. A lot of those type of interaction, uh, you learn a lot about like other aspects of the business that as a technical founder, you may not be exposed to it. So I would say uh anyone who wants to start a company it would be great if they can find a way to kind of like get exposure to different part of the uh, business that they want to build instead of just having their own thing go beyond your comfort zone and try to see for instance what are the challenges in selling this product what are the uh, problems that this product is solving for customers and what are the complaints that you have and Listening to those, seeing how difficult it is to kind of like sell a product to a variety of customers with different backgrounds, how you introduce a product for different people with different backgrounds. And most importantly, things don't sell easily. So it takes time, especially in enterprise. Who is the decision making? So I'm just saying that as a technical person, I didn't have that much exposure for these. But when I had more interaction with our field team at Compland and and people who were interacting with customers and myself at start with customers you see a lot of interesting challenges and uh problems to solve there that uh you, first and foremost you have much more appreciation for different roles in company and second it would be a great experience when you want to start to build a company you at least have better idea about oh this is not just building a product Convincing people that this product is something that you want to try it out and eventually use it, that is also important.
1: That's right. We used to say "Like software would be great if it weren't for all these end users, you know? Exactly. You know, but uh, I love that. That's actually the best answer I've gotten. I ask this question all the time and um, I really like that answer so much because there's just nothing like getting in front of the customer. And that's a special place to be when you... When they have complaints, you know, you as a product manager or technical lead, you know what customers like or don't like, but hearing it directly is a completely different experience. And um, I really like that answer. Also, it's a great way if you're, you know, people are worried about the economy. If you're hiding out at your big company, just coiling up and get trying to get ready for the next thing, that's a great way to use the leverage your current company, right, um, to get in front of those customers. So I just love that answer. Thank you.
0: For
1: sure. Um. Well, it has been really great connecting with you and learning a little bit more about uh, making stream processing a little easier. I hope that you come back to the show and keep us posted on on your progress.
0: Definitely. Thank you very much for having me. And this was a great conversation. Thanks.
1: Thank you.